What's going on, guys? Zach here. Before we dive into this episode, I want to talk about today's sponsor. The sponsor of this podcast is PeacefulFathers.com. It's run by Anthony Migliorino, where you can find him on all his social media, at Peaceful Fathers. But on PeacefulFathers.com, you'll find a way to connect with your children in a way that'll bring them to the greatest of heights as adults. You can build that in your home with your children before they're adults and on their own having to find their way in the world. You can foster an environment that's conducive to a revolutionary soul. And by going through Anthony's content at PeacefulFathers.com, you'll be able to set your children up for success. That way they don't find themselves stuck in the, the tar pit of average and mediocre performance. You want to figure that out and how to lock it in, how to connect better with your children and your family? Go to PeacefulFathers.com. Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast, a place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here is your host, Zach Small, founder of thefamilyalpha.com and co-founder of thefraternityofexcellence.com. Let's get to work. Welcome to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zachary Small, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, a rapper, an author, an entrepreneur, an Oxford graduate, a crypto supporter, and an all-around good dude, Zuby. Zuby, welcome to the show. How's it going, Zach? How you doing? It's it's going. I'm doing well. Awesome. You know, before we kick this off, I was telling you, I was on Real Talk with Zuby, episode number six. I was still writing as Zach Small, or actually, I was still writing as Hunter Drew, and now Mm -hmm. I'm going by Zach Small. I dropped the pen name. And it's, it's been a wild two years. And I wanted to talk to you, you know, to sort of kick this off for those who don't know you, what your past two years have looked like and, and sort of where you've been from, you know, pre-breaking the, the woman's deadlift record to, mm-hmm. to the man you are today. Wow. Okay. So last two years. So at the beginning of 2019, I, okay, well, to give people a sense of scale, firstly. So at the beginning of 2019, I had 18,000 Twitter followers. I had about 10,000 on Instagram and I think maybe about 8,000 on YouTube or so. Um, I now have over well, well over 320,000 Twitter followers, just hit 90,000 on Instagram today and just hit 65,000 on YouTube today. I've had millions of views on my own videos and other things that I've featured on, whether those are television appearances or podcasts. I was, I've been on some of the biggest podcasts on the wor- in the world, including the Joe Rogan Experience, um, you know, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, uh, Glenn Beck, been on Fox News several times, been on Sky News, BBC here in the UK, all over. Um, the past two years have been wild. The past two years have been, have been crazy for me. It's been... Um, Serious, serious, serious major growth. Um, getting to the point now where across my social media, I think I've got over over six hundred thousand people following me now, which is pretty crazy when you really sort of think of that scale and consider that that's all independent and organic. This is not. Uh, I don't have a team. I don't have. I haven't thrown tons of money behind this in terms of promotion, advertising, anything like that. It's all just been organic. And then in terms of what I've done um, at the beginning of twenty nineteen, I put out my most recent album, which was called Perseverance. I put that out just before everything started taking off, which was kind of bad timing. But um, I've got my new album coming out this spring. I finished recording it now. It's being mixed as we record this. So I'm super duper excited about that. That's going to be a huge project. It's going to be the, um, it's actually going to be a lot of people's introduction to my music because 
for all my previous releases. I mean, I put out eight albums and EPs already. Um, and my audience has, I don't know, 10 X since my last release. So this is going to be the biggest one. It's also the one that I've got first time I've actually got like a, a real budget for. Um, I also wrote and released my first book in that time frame. Strong advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. I put that out as well midway through 2019. I was just telling you before the call, that's now sold well over 4,000 copies, got hundreds of positive reviews, changing people's lives all over the world. It's, I mean, I've shipped that book out to, I don't even know what the digital, but the physical copies have shipped out to over 40 different countries, which is, which is pretty crazy. Um, and again, that's all independent. So things have just been going and growing on all angles, all aspects of everything I do, personal development, um, business, audience, everything, man. It's uh, I'm in a blessed position. You know, I'm in the best position. Despite all the craziness that's happened over the past year, I'm still in a very blessed position and I'm happy to be here. It's great to hear that as well. You know, the 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 humility of understanding, you know, how quickly this can happen and how you just have to enjoy that process. Mm. You know, a lot of people, and that's sort of why I wanted to bring it back to that, that big scope, you know, people hear and they see where you're at now and it, it many will write off how you got to where you are. Oh, geez, you know, yeah. Of course you'll have 300,000 followers. You know, you're, you're a rapper, you're an author, you do all, you speak to all these people. And it, what's really stands out to me is how you stayed consistent throughout the entire process. Mm. And that by staying true to you, you know, you have team Zuby, but what few realize is that's Zuby and the team are those <laughs> who are supporting the process. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like a giant squad that are making all this happen for you. This is you. Yeah. You know, that's been one of the most incredible things to see. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I mean, the story goes all the way back to 2005. So, I mean, I put out my first people, a lot of people don't realize, you know, I put out my first album in 2006 when I was still a teenager. So I've been grinding, I've been working hard. I mean, I sold over 25,000 CDs hand to hand before 99% of people who, who know me now had, had heard about me. So 2019 was a real turning point, but you know, people say even 10 years, I'm like, man, it's taken me, you know, 50, I've been grinding for 15 years to get to where things are now. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just getting started. Like there, there's uh, so much more to do, so much more to achieve, so much more potential to tap into so many more people to reach and inspire all over the world. And I'm going to make it happen, man. You know, those numbers I told you before, those are going to go up to the millions. Um, everything's going to go up to the millions eventually. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's my, that's my mission in life. That's my purpose in life. You know, I want to impact and positively inspire over 10 million people before I die. And I'm going to make that happen, Lord willing. No, it's beautiful to hear. And again, you know, people will hear that and they're like, oh, of course, you, they sort of strip it from themselves. Your belief <laughs> in self, and that's why I really wanted to talk to you about this topic. You know, that belief in self, it seems to be a running theme on those who make it. Yep. Almost like having a belief in self, even when others doubt you, is absolutely oh, yeah. necessary for success. You know, every yeah. day is day one. I, I'm very similar to your mindset. When I wake up, you start all over. Everything I've done up to this point got me here, not to where I'm going. Yeah. Look, if, yeah, sorry, man. Sorry to jump in. I was going to say, if, if like the average person doesn't think that my goals sound delusional, then my goals are too small. Like when I, when I like majority of people, if I tell them what I'm going to do, what I'm going to achieve in the world, even if I tell them what I've done, if I tell them what I've done, they'll think I'm bragging. And if I tell them what I'm going to do, they think I'm deluded. And I'm like, okay, perfect. Good. Like if, if, if you think, if you think it's achievable, then I'm aiming too low. 
<laughs> if the average person <laughs> thinks it's achievable, I'm like, okay, I need to, that's I need a good to step metric. that up more. Yeah. Yeah. I need to step it up more when people are like, nah, like, you know, when people start telling me what they think I can't do based on what they can't do, then I'm like, okay, good. That's a, that's a good target there. And that's so on that note, I remember the pop-up shops. I remember you bouncing from spot to spot. You'd share photos of, of, you know, the stacks of CDs, people showing up. Did you see this when you were doing that? Yes. I mean, I left my job in, so I used to, so a little bit of background. So I studied at Oxford University. I graduated from there, man, I can't even believe it's this long, 2007. And um, yeah, I, I took one year out. I released my second album and I performed, toured, sold my CDs around the country for one year before I moved to London and joined the corporate world. So I actually worked in the corporate world for three years, 2008 to 2011. November 2011, I left my job to go pursue my music full time. So I've been self-employed now for nine and a half years. And, you know, (laughs) for transparency, 2019, no, 2020, last year was the first year in 10 years that I made more money doing what I do now than I used to make in my corporate job 10 years ago. So that's to give people some sort of some sort of scale and understanding of the the grind and also the sacrifice because so many people are deluded by the world of like music and entertainment, right? People think like, oh my gosh, people, some people just think rapper equals rich or musician equals rich, which is so far from the truth, <laughs> so far from reality, right? <laughs> people think like, oh, you know, oh, Zuby just does music to make money. Like I used to get criticized from people saying that I got into music to make money. And I'm like, you idiots don't know I was making three times the amount before I quit my job. Like I didn't, I'm not, if you want to make money, becoming an independent musician without any label or agent or whatever, like that's the dumbest decision you could make. But with me, my goal was always bigger than that. My goal was never, okay, I just want to in the short term, maximize my income or maximize my security or anything like that. My goal was, look, I've been given certain talents and certain abilities and a certain wiring up here and in my heart. And my goal on this earth is to inspire people and impact people. And I know I'm not going to do that sitting in an office from 9am till 6pm doing what I was doing. And so it was like, okay, I need to get out of this environment And I need to inspire people through my words, through my music, through my actions. And everything I do is based around that. A lot of people now ask me like, man, how do you, how and why do you do so many things? You've got your music, you've got your podcast, you've got your fitness book, you're doing coaching, you're doing merchandising, you're doing this, you're doing that. The running theme of all of it is number one, doing things I enjoy and I'm interested in, but number two, doing things that use my talents and my knowledge to help people, right? So I've been going to the gym for even longer than I've been rapping. So it was like, wait, hey, people are always asking me for fitness. Why don't I write a fitness book, right? Why don't I put that out there? All these people asking questions about how to build muscle, how to lose weight, how to do this, how to do that. Let me just put something out there that can help them with a podcast, whether I'm talking to you or I'm doing my own podcast, all of these conversations, they help people. They help to shift people's mindsets. They help to keep people positive. They give people new ideas. So everything I do, the way I sort the filter I run it through is like, okay, is this is this going to help me get closer to my goal of, of helping and inspiring 10 million people? If the answer is no, I don't do it. If the answer is yes, then I'm like, okay, cool. Where do I sign up? Let, let, let's, let's go because 10 million is not a, that number freaks people out, but I'm like, yo, it's just a, it's one by one by one. 
just one by one. That's how I've always built my audience online and offline. Each individual relationship to me matters. I don't look at it as like, you know, my Twitter isn't Zuby. It's not one relationship between me and 37, 327,000 people. It's 327,000 different relationships. In fact, it's more than that because my followers interact with each other. It's millions of relationships that are all going on there. And that's how I look at it. I see each person as an individual, which is why despite the size of my following, you know, I still respond to people. I still reply. I'm still there spending an hour every single day, replying to DMs, getting back to people, doing it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all of these different platforms. I, I still put in that effort because I genuinely, I genuinely care and I genuinely, genuinely want to help people. It's not all purely like business, business, money, money, business, business, you know? Um, as far as I'm concerned, that's actually a byproduct. The more people you help, then lo and behold, the more your bank account grows. I think it's in that process as well that you find the sustainability of this. Mm -hmm. If somebody's heart wasn't in this, you mentioned heart, and I want to come back to that. But if their heart wasn't in this, if this wasn't a passion, it's just something they're doing, not a part of who they are, mm -hmm. they'd burn out because it is a lot. But when you love that in the work of doing so and building is the fuel to work and build because yeah. you know this is helping somebody. This is great. Mm -hmm. But to bring it back to heart, I believe in, in America, I think there's too much in your head and too little in your heart. And people okay. logic their way out of success, out of, out of achieving their goals. I recently did a podcast with uh, Alexander Cortez. He went to Thailand. He was learning Muay Thai. And in that culture, it's about the fighter's heart. Mm. Do you believe your upbringing had you listening to your heart as much as your mind? And that set you up for this type of life where you aligned a passion with, with intelligence and strength? It's a great question. You know, it's it's always difficult to ascertain what is nature and what is nurture. I know that I have a very unique personality type in a lot of aspects and dimensions. So some of it may just be the way I'm naturally wired. But in terms of the way I was raised, I mean, I come from a super solid, stable family, um, one of five children. My parents have been married for 40 plus years, you know, fantastic family, brilliant parenting, all of that, you know, truly, truly blessed in that regard. Um, but I guess I've always grown up and always had instilled in me for real that I can, there's not like a ceiling, you know, my parents never put an artificial ceiling on my capabilities and they knew from early, like, okay, Zuby's clearly very academically gifted. And I was, I've always been creative. I actually used to draw like people, when I was younger, people knew me for drawing like oh i've always been known for my art but it used to be drawing prior to music so i've always done those things and always been encouraged to explore them i've played instruments i used to play piano i used to play trombone and i've always you know i've done sports i've played a whole bunch of different sports i played rug rugby all the way through to university level and um i've i've just never i've never had a lot of limiting beliefs right i think with a lot of adults People tend to acquire limiting beliefs for, as they grow up, as they grow older, whether that's instilled from their parents or their school teachers or their friends or society in general or whatever. But I've always been someone who's really resistant to that. And I've always been someone who's, I wouldn't say hard-headed, but quite hard to influence, actually, certainly in any sort of negative direction. So I'm not one of those people who, in my teenage years, went off the rails or anything like that. I've always just been very disciplined and determined and quite binary as well. Like most things I either, I do them or I don't do them. Like I do them or I don't do them. Like I don't, you know, I don't smoke. I've never smoked. I don't drink. Like I, I just, I do something or I don't, right. If I say, okay, I'm going to do this thing. 
it's going to happen, right? When I tell people, I, when I told people, hey, I'm going to be a full-time musician, there's a lot of people who talk about, oh, I want to be a musician. I want to be an author. I want to start a podcast. I want to do this. Like, if I say I'm going to do it, best believe it's going to happen. Best believe it's going to happen. Like, literally, unless I die in the process, I will reach 10 million people, right? Like, it's, it's going to happen. I don't, I, don't, I don't even say I'm going to try to do it. It's like, no, it's going to happen. I'm on the trajectory for it. I have the ability. I have the potential. I'm going to make this thing happen, um, you know, barring any awful circumstance which pre- prevents it. So to, coming back to the original question, it's, it's a combination. And it, it's hard for me to say how much is each one. I can certainly say in terms of family and upbringing and all of that, that was, you know, top 1% as good as, good as it can be. Um, but I think I'm also just, I don't know where it comes from. But I'm just wired in a certain way. I've been given certain gifts. And I also just see the world differently from most people, which I think is something that has also helped me to do what I do and also to build my following. Because I think a lot of people, especially these days, because a lot of people who follow me don't really directly follow me for my through my music, right? So I think a lot of people follow me because they like and are intrigued by just the way I think and the way I perceive the world which I always thought was how most people did, but I learned in the last few years, okay, I'm a very heterodox thinker. I'm not someone who really sees the world the same way most people do at all. Um, That's become super duper clear over the past few years. And so by putting more of that out there, it's helped me to not just grow my audience, but to really sort of nurture and solidify it. So people really know what I am about and even people who are may not be fans of rap or fans of hip hop or whatever, they can still appreciate me and they still want to check out what I'm doing because they like and appreciate the, the you know, my mind. You know, and I think that is a testament to the point that in the land of conformity, mm-hmm. authenticity does reign king. It does. When, when you're not the clone, you're not the copy, you're the original art going yep. out there. People will draw to it because they're like, look, we've had everything else. You know, it, when you're you, though, you're different. They're like, oh, what? Why? Why aren't you trying to be like everybody else? Let me listen to you. And that really does stick out, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's got a, you know, not everybody appreciates it, but that's fine. And that's another thing that's changed for me over time. You know, when I first started out with my music as a teenager, you know, I wanted everyone to like me. I took criticism. I took criticism fairly personally, right? If I put out a song and people were like, man, this guy's a terrible rapper or this song sucks or whatever. I take it quite personally, right? You know, even if someone praised or if someone praised it, I'd be like, hey, yeah, this person praised it or whatever. These days, I mean, I I don't think I even see 90% of the criticism to begin with because I can't keep up with it, but I also genuinely don't care. Like I'm at the stage where it's not just that I don't mind some people not liking me. It's actually, I, I want some people not to like me. (laughs) It's good to be hated by the right people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There, there are, there's a type of person out there that I do not like, if they liked me, I'd be concerned. Right. Cause my whole message is the antithesis of what they're promoting and what they're preaching. And the way that they think. So I'm like, you know what? That's cool. That's fine. I don't, I don't mind. You know, if I can convert someone over and get them to switch their mindset for their own sake, brilliant. But if there's some person out there on the internet who's just decided that Zuby is their arch nemesis, I have no who I, idea who they are, but you know, they want to keep, I don't know, leaving negative comments or writing mean stuff at me or whatever, you know, that's that's them. That's not me. That doesn't say anything about me. So it's it's all good, you know, and, and it's also very freeing, you know, it's very freeing to have that and to, you know, not be so concerned by the opinions of random strangers that it allows that it derails you 
or it allows or it, it um, impacts the people you're trying to reach or it impacts your own mental health or your own well-being or anything like that. Like it's totally, it's totally irrelevant. Like if I was walking down the street, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not massively interested in what the, you know, some drunk drug addict on the street who's homeless, like personally thinks about me or, or like what his opinions are about me. Number one, he doesn't know me, not just, but I'm like, well, I don't know. Who, <laughs> I don't know who this person is. I don't have any specific respect for them beyond just general respect for as a human being or whatever. So why would it be any different online? You know, if some random person wants to throw some shade my way, it's like, okay, I, I probably won't even see it, but um, it just, it just doesn't matter. But that's something that's changed. Cause in the past I used to be I just used to be more sensitive to that. And I think actually most musicians and artists are always going to be a little bit sensitive to criticism. Well, there is a, a degree of, you know, objective truth to you sharing a personal part of your soul and somebody saying, well, that sucks. You're like, well, come on. Like I, <laughs> that line, that lyric right there, like was inspired by whatever in my life. It's a very personal thing. And they just say yeah. that if you took every criticism to heart, you would go nowhere. And actually, yeah, exactly. the way you said that, you know, it's freeing, that plays to, you know, the angle I'm really trying to push to people in that it's about freedom. It's about allowing yourself to be yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and let's talk about your music for a moment, because when I was checking out to see what you've been up to, I saw one of your pinned videos was a song called OK, Dude. Mm. <laughs> and, and I know the origin story of that, but do you want to dive <laughs> into that and how you you took what could have been a, a huge net negative on you mm. and you turned it to a positive. Yeah, sure. Okay. So the story behind this is kind of, is weird. It's, it's a very 2020 yes, story. <laughs> this is one of those things that, that can only happen in the modern era, but um, on Twitter, it was literally about a year ago, February, 2020, I had a list which was going viral, which was something like um, five tips for single women on how to land a great guy or something like that. And um, it, it, I can't, I can't remember what exactly was it. It was like, be in good physical shape, be sweet, grow your hair long, learn to cook and don't be annoying. <laughs> which, My which goodness. Is, which, is, which is accurate to be fair, right? But anyway, like, you know how Twitter is. It did its thing. It, it went crazy. Hundreds of thousands of impressions, maybe, maybe million plus impressions. So this list is going viral. It's going crazy. People are responding, whatever. I'm kind of laughing at most of it. And somebody you know, random blue check mark I've never interacted with before responds to it and says something like, um, this list is terrible. I bet I sleep with more women than you do or something like that. And I just literally quote tweeted it and I wrote, okay, dude, that was it. A week later, I'm on a train from London back to the South of England. And I get an email from Twitter saying that my account has been locked for hateful conduct. And I'm like, firstly, I'm like, wait, is this, a, is this some sort of spam email or whatever? I open up, try to open Twitter on my phone. And it just says, it just comes up with a notification saying your account is locked. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm super confused here, right? I'm like, wait, what? And I open up the email and um, it, it says in the email that you may not discriminate against people based on their race, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, all of this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I don't do that. Um, and then I, and then I scroll further down and it says, this is the particular tweet, which violated Twitter's policy on hateful conduct. And it literally says, okay, dude. And, and I'm like, <laughs> firstly, I didn't even remember the tweet. Like I, I didn't even remember, I, I you know, I, I, this is a week later and I'm just like, wait, what? Like, am I being punked here? What's going on? 
And then um, I had an option to I had an option to make an appeal because it said if, if you think a mistake's been made, make an appeal. So I was like, okay, all right, I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna admit guilt for some crime I have not committed. So I appealed it, thinking you know maybe there's some algorithmic error or something. I get a message back the following day saying this has now been manually reviewed, and we can confirm that this tweet does violate our hateful conduct policy. And I'm just like, what on earth? Uh, so at this time, I'm locked out of Twitter. Hashtag free Zuby is trending on Twitter. Hashtag okay dude is trending on Twitter because people have found out what's happened because uh, I posted about it on the other social media platforms. And then, um, yeah, so I, I eventually I had to delete the tweet in order to get access to my account again. And then I just made a t-shirt. I made a black t-shirt um, with white print on it just saying, okay, dude. And the first, vi- the first tweet I put out when I came back was a video of me just dancing, wearing this t-shirt. And it got like over 600,000 views. It, the video I remember that. That was wild. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people were <laughs> like, oh yes. my gosh, I love that t-shirt. I love that t-shirt. Where's that t-shirt? So firstly, I made the t-shirts available for sale and I sold like 200 of them in a weekend. So that <laughs> quickly became my best-selling t-shirt of all time. And then um, I also was inspired to make that song okay dude um so i wrote the song i released it as a single it's now one of my best performing song one of my best performing songs of all time so yeah that whole um incident is a fantastic example of when life gives you lemons make lemonade i mean i gained 10,000 new followers hundreds of thousands of streams tens of thousands of pounds <laughs> from the okay dude merchandise so it was um it, it all ended up being kind of funny um, but I think it's a it's a great example of number one, don't mess with an entrepreneur. But um, <laughs> no, <laughs> we, will, num- we will capitalize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will capitalize. But number two, um, yeah, the, sometimes in life, you know, weird things happen, and how you choose to react and respond to things is really often more important than what the thing itself was, because you know that could have been something that I, I you know, I decided to highlight the absurdity of it and take advantage of it and turn okay dude into a catchphrase rather than you know go there talk about how mad i how mad i am and how unfair it all was and whatever you know despite the fact that it was very unfair but i was like hey you know i can do something with this so that's how i chose to do it i really enjoyed the way you put the clips of rogan you know, he's sort of oh, like talking about you over it and yeah. he says you know this guy doesn't smoke he doesn't drink he doesn't curse <laughs> in his songs and what you quoted was a man saying, I'm sleeping with more women. Yeah. <laughs> and you were the one. And, you know, I'm just like, this is crazy. But yeah, that's, to your that's point, where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was and you did have that opportunity. You could have flamed out, you know, gone on. This isn't fair. Gone on some tirade. Or you could have been like, OK. And then just totally stripped yeah. the power from it. <laughs> you can't phase yeah. me. This is now my more fuel for me. Yep. And yep. I like the way you spun. I think a lot of people, you know, they would do very well to start looking at that the opportunity that's presented when stress occurs. Mm, mm. And before we kick this off, we were talking about, you know, it's, it's been a wild, you know, two years since we last spoke and you said, you know, but it's, it's been awesome. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like I get that. And there's, we've all heard of post-traumatic stress. Few ever focus on post-traumatic growth, but with mm. everything that's happened now is the perfect time to find the opportunities that are presenting themselves, you know, and you recently did a podcast with, uh, Kiara Bickers on Bitcoin and crypto. And I sort of wanted to pick your brain there because that it it fits you so well in that you're here's a new opportunity to do the thing where there's more freedom, 
where there's more sense of ownership and self. And I think that's what you're about, mm-hmm. you know, believing in yourself and not believing in this new opportunity that could literally change the world of the way we do business going forward. So what's your experience and journey been with the, the crypto community? Oh, interesting, man. So I got into, so first of all, it's good to know I'm a, I'm a computer science graduate. So that's actually what I studied. I think I probably first heard about Bitcoin in some context, maybe oh, 20. 14 or something, but I ne- I didn't research it. I didn't research it. I just thought it was some PayPal alternative or some kind of in-game video game currency or whatever. I paid. I didn't pay much attention to it. I just heard the name here and there. Um, I got into Bitcoin in 2017. So in 2017, when there was that massive bull run and stuff was making a lot of noise, that was when I looked, decided, to, you know what, let me take an afternoon and let me look into this Bitcoin thing properly. So I sat down, I bought a couple of books, um, I watched a few YouTube channels and I literally just read, you know, I read the internet of money parts one and two by Andreas Antonopoulos. Um, later down the line, I read uh, the Bitcoin standards. I read a book called crypto assets. I was just reading and I was like, wow, okay, this, this thing makes sense. And it clicked for me pretty well because I'm someone who's very libertarian minded. And so I got into it in 2017 and then I just continued to learn and research, you know, spending a little bit of time almost every day, a couple hours a week. Um, you know, since 2017, I've spent a couple hours a week, every single week, researching Bitcoin and the crypto markets and just seeing what's going on, planning my strategy, all of that stuff, and just trying to understand it better. So, you know, <laughs> I we went through that whole bear market for the next two years after that, after that particular bubble popped and, you know, the price dropped from $20,000 when it peaked late. 2017, you know, dropped all the way down to about, I don't know, 3,800, 4,000, something like that. And um, I held all the way through that. In fact, I kept, I kept buying more and buying more, (laughs) buying more, because I believed in the, I believed in the whole thing, you know, from the technology to the sort of grand vision and potential, uh, not just financial, not just as a moneymaker, but also as a world changing technology. And also from a sort of socio-political angle, so so that's been kind of my journey. So um, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put out like any any numbers out there or anything like that. That would be reckless. But um, yeah, things are things have been uh, going going well. Like you know, people who are laughing at me a couple of years ago are now wanting my advice and asking me if uh, now is a good time to buy in and this and that. And so you know, things things change. But um, I think. Bitcoin is, I'm super duper, I'm hardcore bullish on Bitcoin, like crazy bullish. Like, I think this thing's going to be a, you know, where are we? I think, you know, this week, maybe, maybe it'll crack $50,000. But I mean, long term, I think each Bitcoin's going to be half a million dollars plus. Like, you know, if you're going to compare it to USD, I think that's going to happen within the next decade. So from an investment perspective, I'm super bullish on it. But then also as a technology and actually as a store of value and a form of hard money, I'm also very much sold on it. And then in terms of other crypto projects, um, you know, there's a stupid amount out there. I think probably 98% is kind of gambling. I don't I don't see most of them lasting a decade plus. But, you know, Bitcoin specifically, on totally on board with that. I'm not a full-on Bitcoin maximalist, which seems to upset some people. You know, I think there are other projects out there which also are going to have an impact in their own way in terms of decentralizing certain technologies and applications and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that's a sort of summary of how I how I got into it 
and the the longer I'm in it, I guess the more I the more I believe in it. It kind of solidifies my um my position and as someone who's got a long time horizon um i'm not someone who i don't know bitcoin could drop 20 percent today it could drop 40 percent today and i'll just be like sweet it's on sale right like, <laughs> yeah I would, I would be actually very fine with that happening <laughs> yeah yeah i'd be like awesome awesome I can, I can yeah i can load up more now um so that that's kind of my view i'm not um i'm not a trader so i don't, I don't care about the sort of short-term fluctuations and stuff like that i look Okay, where's this thing going to be in five years' time, ten years' time, twenty years' time, et cetera? No, that's a good vision, and yeah. I think a part of it, you know, I'm seeing more and more people adopting it. Sort of the way I look at things is when my dad, he, when he jumps on board, I'm like, all right, mm. it's it's mainstream because he's <laughs> very resistant to change in that's in funny. stuff like that. Yeah. But do you think the idea behind Bitcoin on on sovereignty, on having control over your finances, you know, the low fees to 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 share with others without being tracked and everything you do? Do you think as more people start to sort of grab the wheel of their life, if you will, and sort of go for the control and wanting that personal freedom back, they're going to jump onto crypto while those who are leaning more and more onto assistance via governing bodies, they're going to be further from it. And we're going to see this, this divide. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately, like, where do you see that heading? Because some want more and some want less. Yeah, that's an interesting question, man. Um, really interesting question. The, the truth is, and th this goes way beyond Bitcoin, way beyond Bitcoin, but the majority of people don't really see how real stuff is until it affects them directly. That's just the truth of it, right? A lot of people will hold a certain position or they'll be ambivalent or apathetic into, about something until it directly hurts them, right? Directly impacts them, smacks them in the face somehow right? So people will be there. Cancel culture doesn't exist. Cancel culture is not a thing. Cancel culture is a right-wing conspiracy. It's just about personal responsibility, blah, blah, blah. And then that person will get canceled, right? Then that person loses their platform. That person gets fired for their job because they tweeted the wrong thing or because they upset the wrong person or the wrong, right? And then suddenly they're all like, oh my gosh, you know, now they care about cancel culture. Yeah, that culture. tune changes. The tune changes, right? People and pe people do this with with everything, right? It's not until it comes to their doorstep that you know there there's a there's a minority of people, you know, I don't know, twenty percent of the population who can, you know, see far down the line, see you know, second order, third order, fourth order thinking, and see, okay, this is where things are going, right? So, fantastic example, the situation we're in right now in the UK right now, they're talking, they're toying with the idea of vaccination passports, right? So if you want to go to a music concert, if you want to just go to a football game, you want to travel, you want to just participate in a normal society, you you need to get yourself stuck with an experimental, um, you know, jabbed with a needle within and have some substance inserted into your body, which hasn't been tested for multiple years, right? Which is terrifying. Okay. That freaks me. That freaks me the heck out, right? That's enough reason for me to leave the whole country, right? And I was saying they were going to do this eight months ago. <laughs> Right. I said, if they can force you to wear a mask, they can force you to take a vaccine. Right. Everything, everything over the past year has been a compliance ladder. Anyone who does sales or who's hooked up on psychology will know that what's been going on. Right. Boiling the frog slowly. If they come out on day one and say we want to do mandatory vaccines, people are going to say heck no. But if you can force them to stay at home and get them used to that and then you force them to wear a mask, get them used to that or get them to agree. Let me not, let me not even say force because people haven't really been you know, faced any sort of violent threat here. 
Um, you can get them to do that and then demoralize them, break them down, and they will be willing to, in less than one year's time, just, hey, daddy government, give me, you know, give me anything. Give me the injection just so I can do this. And then they're willing to create this two-tier society where people who don't go along with that no longer can participate fully. And the people who saw this coming, such as myself, have been labeled and tarred and smeared as conspiracy theorists. For, like, everything I said was going to happen virtually over the past year throughout this whole pandemic situation has literally happened, right? I was saying from early, look, guys, this is what's going on. And people are like, oh, you're being too, you're being too skeptical. Why don't you trust the government? Why? And I'm just like, geez, man, like y'all don't, y'all don't get it. You know, you can get the horse, bring the horse to the water, but you can't make them drink. And this just go, it just goes with, it just goes with everything, man. It goes with everything. And it's, it's a, it's kind of a sad realization. And also it's a weird one because sometimes you kind of feel like, um, Number one, it's kind of lonely, <laughs> but also you, you, you've also, you know, I'm not someone who I, I do love human beings. I do love humanity. And I don't like to feel that kind of like despair amongst general human beings. But at a time like this, it can, it can be hard not to, right. It can be hard not to when people are literally behaving like sheep, right. People are literally behaving like sheep. They're looking to the government as if it's God. They're looking to these unknown scientists and experts as if they are deities and you can't question anything. You got to just go along with this narrative. You're not meant to ask any questions. It's so dogmatic, right? It's so dogmatic. I find it interesting that if someone, 90% of people, if they want you to wear a mask or they want you to, you know, jab yourself, then they won't tell you why. They won't give you a reason. They won't provide evidence. They won't use a logical argument. They'll just try to bully you or shame you into it, right? They'll call you names. They'll say you're doing this. They'll try to emotionally blackmail you by suggesting that you're somehow killing people by not wearing a diaper over your face. And it's all just garbage. It's all garbage. And like I said, as someone who is quite immune to that type of influence and quite immune to these sort of tactics and very cognizant of how they work, I'm good at telling all these people to just buzz off. But you know, most people are way more agreeable than I am. And most people don't want to rock the boat as much as I do. And um, that's, but that's what leads us into these situations. I think that, you know, the, epi the epidemic is, is cowardice, man. Cowardice is the real pandemic that's been going on, not just with this, but for, for decades now, a lot of people are looking at the modern Western world now and saying, man, how did, how did certain things reach this level? How did certain things reach this level? And I'm like, because you let it literally because you let it right. You thought, oh, you know, we can let, uh, we can let a handful of people on YouTube and podcasts fight against this whole thing. And I'm like, no, you can't. Like if, if people don't get involved and draw a certain line and say, you know what, actually, no, I'm not, you know what, actually, like if you're a biological man, you shouldn't be competing against women in sports, right? No. Like some of us, again, saw that coming years ago, saw it coming, right? If you can just identify as anyone, it's like, well, men are going to start saying they're women and beating them up in sports, right? I said this years ago and people are like, oh, Zuby, you're being silly. Da, da, da. That's not going to happen. I'm like, okay, wait and see. I'm now the British women's deadlift champion, right? <laughs> I love every time I hear that. <laughs> like, I can't not smile. Right? So, so, I'm just like, look, what, what are we doing? And it's because of this ridiculous, it's not even political correctness. It's just cowardice. People are just such cowards. It's now triggering or controversial to say there's only two genders. Like, what is this? controversial to say men can't get pregnant. I'm like, what is this stupidity? And it's unique to the modern Western world. Like this isn't happening. People are like, oh, the world's gone crazy. I'm like, no, the world hasn't gone crazy. Like if I show my deadlift tweet to family back in Nigeria, it doesn't even make sense to them. They don't even, they don't even understand 
they're like wait what what do you mean like they, they won't even laugh because they're just like what do you mean you identified as a woman what does that mean like that doesn't <laughs> they're like but you're a man like, i wouldn't even be able to explain it i have i'd have to start by explaining that in the west there's a percentage of people who believe that someone is whatever gender or sex they, they just say they are and like they'd just be like what like what do you mean? That doesn't make sense. Men are stronger than women, right? <laughs> like, so, so it, it, it's kind of weird. Even, even in our world, like in 2010, in 2010, that tweet wouldn't have made sense, right? In 11 years, in, in nine, 10 years, we, we went from everyone, okay, we can agree on like, people may have different opinions, but we can at least agree on facts. Whereas we're now living in the society where firstly, the facts are hard to get, but people can't even agree on the facts, right? People are literally, people are literally arguing that two plus two equals five. Right. Like I, this is what's going on and people don't want to just draw the line and be like, you know what, actually, I, I think we need to get back to calling people stupid. I, 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 I can I, support <laughs> that. I can support this hundred percent. I, I, I feel like, I feel like people are too PC and like nice and whatever to like, just want to say that things are dumb and just be like, you know what, this is stupid. Like this is two plus two equaling five is dumb. No, it doesn't equal like, you know, not just like, oh, wait, hang on. Maybe it does. It's like, no, no, men and women are different. Men do not get pregnant. You can't. It's never happened ever in the world. A man has never, ever, ever anywhere in history, anywhere in the world. A man has never gotten pregnant nor had a period ever. So stop. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, like, like stop. But instead of that, people are like, hmm, well, you know, maybe men can get pregnant and then like, oh, but we want to be inclusive. And, and I'm just like, dude, like <laughs> people consider me pretty conservative, but I'm actually like really liberal in a lot. I'm very liberal when it comes to like thinking, but facts are facts, right? If people want to talk about opinions, we can talk about opinions all day long. But if we can't agree on the basic facts of reality and science and biology, then what hope do we have, man? If, if people are willing to accept that two plus two equals five, then we're done. Like we're toast. Like society is, <laughs> society is going to go on a long, long descent until it bottoms out, and eventually something happens and people dig out again. And I'm, I'm, I don't want that descent to happen. You know, and I think this is a testament to why we can't have nice things. You know, <laughs> like back in the day as a kid, I'm like, we'll have flying cars and we'll oh have all gosh. these things in the future. Like, I would love to be able to talk to you about so many other things. <laughs> But in the worlds that we're living in, we have to have a discussion on this, you know, because this is what's relevant. This is what's happening. And I'm like, we're, we're, we're talking two plus two equaling five. And like, <laughs> like this is happening. I saw it on Twitter. I'm like, what yeah. are we doing here? Yeah. But I do, I, I guess I want to ask you your opinion on this. Do you think, you know, we are pretty much the guinea pigs of what happens when you give human beings, the human brain, infinite access to infinite information and distractions all the time. Mm. and large corporations brainwashing you literally from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, if you're always on your phone. Do you think this is sort of the result and we're seeing that history can be erased? If I were to ask you three months ago, what was going on? What what was the big thing that stood out to you? What was the hot topic? Mm -hmm. There's no way you can remember that three months ago. So many things have happened between now and then, and it's like accelerating Mm. to the point that when you said 2010, I'm like, man, I don't even know what we were talking about then. <laughs> it, in the past two years from you and I speaking, mm. the whole world has changed. People forget 
there was a time where if a man said, I'm a woman, you'd say, get the hell out of this bathroom. No, you're not. <laughs> you know, when you broke yeah. that deadlift record, I spoke to my wife. I was like, we're going to have people like Zuby going against my daughter. There are going to be men who are strong that are just like, well, if I identify in this moment, I can get the gold medal. <laughs> and I'm like, man, and, but now we're seeing it. <laughs> we I laugh. Know. And all of a sudden there, I saw that one wrestling dude who like just smashed a, like this, this lady who probably was a really good female athlete. Yep. But this dude who at that time was not a dude. And yep. now I'm going to get freaking banned for saying that. <laughs> That's the crazy part, right? Like, and, and the fact that you even have to think like, oh my gosh, would I get like banned or censored or deplatformed for saying facts? Right? Like, how are you going to get, how are they going to criminalize facts? How are you going to get punished for telling the truth? Like, that's literally, we're living in a society where people want to punish people for telling the truth, which is really disturbing. And anyone who's studied, say, 20th century history should know how, how just how bad that can go, right? Like, that's, that's crazy. Like, it's, it's bad enough, it's bad enough wanting to silence somebody's opinion but when that opinion is not even an opinion and it's just a fact, but it's like a fact you're not supposed to say, that's even freakier because people are basically being incentivized and borderline, not, not forced, but coerced into lying. And we're, we're just building a society on deception now. Everything's just deception, deception. Over the past year, how much deception? Why can't we ask questions? Why is certain data hidden? Why can't we talk about, okay, well, how come you can talk about this, but we can't talk about this? Why can't I ask a basic question about a mask or a vaccine or lockdowns or anything, right? That doesn't make me an anti-vaxxer or a conspiracy theorist or even an anti-mask. Like, I'm just like, hey, okay, if you're so sold on this, then explain to me. Like, explain to me. You keep screaming science at me. I'm like, okay, cool. I do science too. I'm a science graduate. So, you know, if you can't question it, it's not science. It's absolutely not science. It's just, it's just dogma. I mean, on a much deeper level, on a much, much deeper level, I think something that's been happening in the West for decades is the substitution of religion. I think that's a real, people don't talk about it much. And I know some people don't even kind of want to go there, but with a lot of the stuff that's happening, I'm seeing, you know, in the absence of traditional religion and the values that come with it and the grounding that comes with it, what is simply happening? I always say most, virtually all human beings, maybe like 1% or 2% are not like this, but human beings are designed to worship, right? People worship something, right? Like even that can be worship of the self. It can be worship of celebrities. It can be worship of the government. It can be worship of so-called the science, right? People are now going around saying, I believe in science. It's like, what's that? That sounds like religious to me, man. Right. That's <laughs> science. Isn't something like science is just science, right? It's not, I believe in science. I, I had, had someone the other day tell me they believe in masks. I'm like, what do you mean you believe in masks? Like, what does that, what is that sentence? Right. You know, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Like I'll say that straight up. But if you're talking about the realm of science and people are behaving in this sort of like fundamental, fundamentalist, religious cultish way, then I'm just like, this is not this is not science. And I think with a lot of stuff that's going on with all the woke ideology, all the intersectionality BS, all of this stuff, all this anti-racism, all of these weird things that are just permeating into every institution, colleges, universities, people's workplaces, movies, entertainment, everything. I'm just like, man, people are looking for, people are trying to create their own new religions, essentially. Um, and that is what it is. It's like that energy is just going into 
something else. So just like in the past or even in certain places in the world now, right? I think most people are aware whether someone is really whether someone is religious or not. I think we're all aware that it can it can go too far, right? When people become super fundamentalists, extremists, etc., it can manifest in all sorts of bad, terrible ways, right? But this can happen with any ideology, right? So if someone doesn't have that grounding, like a lot of people are just going to latch onto another thing, which is now why we've got people literally worshiping the government, literally worshiping politicians, worshiping celebrities, worshiping their diet, worshiping themselves, worshiping like all sorts of things, worshiping the science. And I'm just like, man, to me, this looks like a, this looks like millions or billions of people kind of plunged into this chaos and trying to grasp onto something, you know, because there always has to be something at the top of the hierarchy, right? There's always got to be something at the top of the, the top, the top authority, right? There has to be a highest authority for me. I'm like, that's God, right? So even some of my political positions come from the fact that I don't think the state or the government is, is the top authority of everything. So if the state, if, if the, if Boris Johnson comes out tomorrow and is like, Hey, you're not allowed to leave your house. I'm like, you're not God. I'm like, no, I'm, right? I'm, I'm like, no, right. Where, but there's a lot of people are, Oh, well, Boris said it, you know, the government said it. And I'm like, so, right. <laughs> and people don't get that with me. People are like, so I'm like, I don't care. Like they're not, they're not gods. This is just a guy. This is some dude from London. Right. Telling me I can't leave my house when I'm not even sick. Like, are you crazy? I'm not doing that. Um, but I think that, I think that's where a lot of this sort of stems from. That's, that's kind of my theory. I don't know. You could call it substitution hypothesis kind of thing, but I think that's what's going on with a lot of the stuff. I think you see it a lot with the whole like woke, the woke ideology is probably like the most obvious example to me um, and the way that that's manifest, but it happens with a lot of, I don't know, with a lot of these different isms and schisms and things like people just latch onto people latch onto something. And, and even again, even looking at the 20th century, 20th century, um, you know, whether you're looking at, you know, far, far left or far right ideology, you know, Maoism, Stalinism, communism, Nazism, all of these things, they all intentionally supplanted religion. They substituted themselves for religion. And then once they get a certain percentage of the population on board with that and subscribe to the dogma, then we saw, we saw what happened. You know, we saw what happened and I don't know I think that's just something that's innate with human beings, especially when you've got like millions and millions of us, people are always going to search for meaning and purpose and guidance and a sense of morality and duty and all that, which is, which can be good, but if it's corrupted or it's creates the wrong divisions and hostilities between certain tribes, et cetera, then, um, yeah, the outcome's never good. You know, it's a, it's almost the perfect storm, though. You know, I I don't know how much of this is manufactured with surgical precision and how much is just coincidence. But if you take religion out, you've lost your framework. And when you throw social media into the mix and people are losing their sense of identity and they're they're all trying to be the next hot thing, well, you've lost your compass to an authentic life. So now anything that pops off becomes a part of your identity as a human being. I I am a masker. I am a, you know, yes. black, black lives matter. Mm. Yeah, oh, I got gosh. banned from my town that? page, dude. <laughs> we got banned. I was banned from my town's page for saying all lives matter. I was like, government wow. abuse is garbage. I was like, mm-hmm. this is unacceptable. I was like, but our town is 95% white. Why do we have this giant shrine 
to to not even literally George a Floyd. shrine dude dude it was a in shrine. the middle of the road a big thing flowers yeah. everywhere my town again 95 percent middle class white people we are not near dc we're not near any of this and i'm banned for saying all police brutality is unacceptable the government has no power but it was their how identity is, how is someone how is someone going to tell me that's not like i don't even want to use the word religious like that's cultish that's right? yes that's <laughs> right? exactly like, it like it, it's your identity it's you are that thing yeah you 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 are that thing and you know even if you look at the symbolism right what is, what is the thing with blm kneeling right are you going to take a knee i'm like no I will kneel for I will kneel when I propose to my future wife and I will kneel in the church if I'm praying to God. That's it. I'm not take I'm not taking I'm not kneeling down for anybody else. I'm not kneeling down for a movement. Like are you for some the, that hate speech right, right just I'm saying just, that. Some people are going to be like are you how offensive? <laughs> yeah, um, this is the thing. I'm just like what is going on here? Like I'm just sort of seeing people just behaving in all these ways and even all the chants the chants and the terminology people have their own vocabulary and all this like it's weird like you can go on twitter and if you go on some of these like you know lefty so-called progressive like sjw type accounts they're all the same right they're all like they have they have like their dogma you know the pronouns in the bio the you know hashtag blm they use certain words certain terms certain technology they even sort of look the same like it's really it freaks me out i'm just like y'all are a cult like this, this is <laughs> right. I'm, I'm just like, this is, this is a cult. Like this is not normal. And, and they can't engage normally, right? If you just ask them basic questions, they start calling you a Nazi. All right. Or they'll say you're a white supremacist or they'll say you're this or this. It's like, look, you can, I like, I mean, that's a great way to know you're in a cult, right? Or if people are trying to take you away from your friends or, you know, isolate you. I'm like, look, I have my own personal beliefs on various things, religion, politics, social issues, whatever. But you know what? If someone wants to ask me a question or challenge me or have a discussion about anything, I I'm capable of that, right? I don't I'm not trying to like ban them or censor them or insult them or insinuate that they're some sort of hateful bigot or demon or something. And it's like, look, if you can't be willing to just have those conversations when someone just like is like stress testing your ideas on a basic level, then again, I'm like, yo, that's um that again, that that's that's just dogmatic. It's also very immature as well, um, and also it's just intolerant. Like people are there talking about diversity and inclusion and tolerance and whatever, and you know they're trying to cancel everybody, everybody to to the right of them who doesn't agree with everything they're saying. Or you know, people are talking openly after this you at that last U.S. election you guys had about you know oh we need to reprogram seventy million Americans and we need to do. And I'm just like, what the heck is going? what is going on? Like people do have different viewpoints. Like this has always existed. People have always voted for different candidates had different views. If you, if you're that confused, you know, if you're that confused by why someone would vote for Trump, ask them, why don't you ask them instead of assuming, instead of assuming that it's because they hate everything and they're Nazis and they're white supremacists. Like that's quite, that's quite improbable. And also, even if you were all those things, that doesn't necessarily conclude with, I'm going to vote for, you know, Donald Trump. So why not just like, ask people, right? Okay. Uh, okay. I don't understand this perspective. Let me talk to somebody who has that perspective and then I'll understand it, right? Whether you agree, disagree, agree to disagree, whatever. If you are an adult, you should be able to have these conversations without, you know, blowing up into emotional incontinence and acting like a three-year-old, you know, it's actually embarrassing the way people are behaving these days. Yeah, I completely so, agree. Yeah.
you know, rant over. The, no, it was, it was a good rant. It was a great rant. Sorry. We need less action off of feelings and more off of some logic and reasoning. Sure. Now, I'm a, I'm a family man. You know, the whole brand is focused on family. And what I do is I really focus on if I've got to address with the kids, with the wife, you know, some things we got to work on, you follow it up with like, how are we going to build them up? Mm. And, and, and now, you know, earlier you mentioned that, that cowardice is the real pandemic. So to me, how do, how do you build that back up? Like if that's the pandemic and people are in fear, well, then that must mean the vaccine, the cure is courage. Yes. How did you find courage throughout the entirety of being Zuby to continue to push when it felt like the whole world was against you? Fantastic question, man. Fantastic question. Firstly, I'd say I had a lot of training. Um, so the way I really built up my name and used to earn a living was through uh, selling my CDs on the street. Right. So from my first album all the way up until, I mean, I stopped street selling, I think in what, 20, I stopped doing it maybe totally in about 2016. But prior to that, I mean, I used to travel around all over the country talking literally to hundreds of thousands of people and promoting and selling my music just out there on the street. Right. So that, that is something that gives you a tough skin right? That gives you the thickest skin in the world. You know, people ask me, how, how did you sell 25,000 albums? And I'm like, I sold to, I spoke to 350,000 people in 25,000 <laughs> and 25,000 said yes and gave me money. Um, and so by doing that, you go through a lot of steps, right? So I remember the first time I ever went out there to sell my CDs. I think I was not, I would have been 19 years old at this time. I went, I went to London. I was in Leicester square. It's just me, a backpack, my headphones, and like a stack of CDs. And I'm like, wow, okay, I'm out here, complete strangers. And I need to try to sell all of these CDs. Right. And the first approach, maybe it took me like 20 minutes before I approached someone. Cause I was so shook. My heart was like pounding. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so weird and unnatural. Like I'm just supposed to stop a stranger, not even just hand them a flyer, but like try to get them to buy something. And I learned quickly that the worst possible outcome is not that bad, right? The worst that happens is somebody ignores you or they say no. The best is they buy your CD and become a lifelong fan and invite you to their wedding as has happened several times. I've been to several <laughs> of my fans' weddings, right? That's cool. So yeah, <laughs> so like that, that was it. And at the end of every day, I mean, I spent a whole summer doing that. And then, you know, for years and years, I mean, I've been to every city, pretty much every city in this, in this country doing this. And at the end of every day, do you know what I'd remember? I'd remember how many CDs I sold. I wouldn't remember how many people said no. I wouldn't remember how many people ignored me. I'd be like, yo, I sold 35 albums today. I sold 35 albums. I was out there on the street. I sold 35 CDs today. I made this much money. And that's what I remember. I gained this many new fans and you know, a couple hundred more are going to go online and follow me on social media and check out my stuff. And so a lot of things, I mean, Every time you go outside your comfort zone, right? As long as you're not doing something that is legitimately putting your life in physical danger or, you know, putting yourself, your life at risk kind of thing, right? That's, that's a different story. But if it's just something that to do with other human beings, right? Just social stuff, whether that's public speaking, whether that's uh, doing sales, whether that's creating a YouTube channel, making a podcast, writing that book and putting it out, anything where you have that fear of social judgment or social criticism. If you do it, you learn that the worst that can happen is very mild, very mild. Like we have millions and millions of people terrified, absolutely terrified to voice a basic opinion 
on social media or even in public or whatever. And people are like, I get DMs every day, man, Zuby, you're so brave. You're so brave, courageous, brave. I'm like, I'm not brave. Brave to me is like being in the army on the front lines. Brave to me is being a police officer who's like policing a dangerous neighborhood. Brave to me is, you know, a building is burning and you run in there to rescue somebody or like something that puts yourself in physical danger, like actual threat. I'm like, man, if I'm considered super brave and courageous, which you know what, maybe I might be, maybe, you know, I would imagine if uh, like something major popped off that I would be the kind of person who would be courageous in that moment. But as it stands, I'm like, yo, I just say stuff on Twitter. I rap, I make a podcast. Like I'm not, uh, I'm comfortable. Like this is my, I'm in my office right now. Like what's, what's going to happen? Oh, someone on Twitter got mad at me. Oh dear. You know, my life is over. Right. And so people have all these fears and they hype them, they hype it up so much. But actually, when you do these things, you realize, oh, okay, right? The biggest fear in the world is more people are afraid of public speaking than death. <laughs> more people are afraid of public speaking than death. Um, I, I remember, I, re- I can't, I can't remember where I read that, so I can't quote the source, but it wouldn't surprise me, right? But public speaking puts the fear of God into the majority of people, right? But actually, if someone addresses that fear and they stand up in front of a group and they give a talk, right? Sure, maybe their heart their heart is beating. Maybe they're talking a bit quick. They're sweating a little or whatever. But at the end of it, they'll probably be like, hmm, okay, that wasn't that bad. I'll be like, yeah, could you do it again? They'll be like, yeah, I could do it again. Okay, cool. Like, do it again tomorrow, right? And after a while, that just, just comes into their wheelhouse. If someone wants me to go and do a live performance or give a talk to a couple hundred people, I'm like, cool. I, don't, I won't even prepare it. I'll just show up and I'll do it and I'll be comfortable because I've done it. And it's like, cool. I know I can do that. Um, and so I think courage comes from, you know, I think everyone has a natural different capacity and maybe a different set point, but it comes from doing it right. If you courage is simply courage is simply having, um, some level of fear and taking an action despite it. That's all it is. Right. It doesn't courage. doesn't mean you have no fear. It means like, okay, like I feel some fear, but I'm going to approach this head on. Right. That could be going into a relationship that could be doing public speaking that could be releasing a product. It could be doing something that's more genuinely scary, whatever. Right. Um, and so that that's all it is. So it just requires practice and repetitions like anything else. Um, you can develop a habit of going outside your comfort zone. Right. And once you become comfortable with that thing, do something else that pushes you out of it. You're scared to learn a language. Okay, cool. Go learn it. Go learn a new language, right? At least learn the basics. Cause you'll, you'll do it. And then after a while you'll be like, Oh, okay. I was absolutely terrified of that thing before, and now I'm kind of comfortable with it. You know, I can have a basic conversation in French or in Spanish with somebody, and it doesn't it doesn't scare me like it did before. And that's how we all grow, and that that's actually how we've been growing our entire lives. If you think every single thing that you know, everything you've learned in school, in your life, etc., it all comes from being a little bit uncomfortable. Right. Literally, it all comes from being a little bit uncomfortable when you were learning to speak your, your, your native language of English. It's because, you know, you you were uh, uncomfortable. Right. You're learning something new in school. It's like, OK, you got to be willing to be wrong. Right. You're, you're willing to be wrong. You're willing to have this conversation. You're willing to do that. And so I just encourage people to to do that all the time and then also to recognize what happens if they don't do it. <laughs> recognize what happens if they don't do it, um, because cowardice is an e- is always an easy option, right? It's the path of least resistance and it can be hard sometimes to, um, you know, 
be the nail that sticks out or to, you know, pop your head out there and, you know, face any type of criticism or whatever, especially if you're going against some kind of orthodoxy. But if you never do it, if you don't do it, then that's a descent. That's a descent into tyranny. That's a descent into tyranny. It's a descent into the Overton window shrinking even more. Um, and, and also just people being wrong, right? Just because something is consensus doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> so just because something is consensus doesn't mean it's right. Um, or even it's, if it's an opinion, you know, other viewpoints can be, can be valid and they can add to the conversation. So I think if someone has a viewpoint, it's like, okay, cool. Like, let's, let's hear what this person has to say. And, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're sort of right, sort of wrong, whatever. But, you know, people shouldn't fear, people shouldn't fear conversation in general. You know, I think there were so many takeaways there that I hope that people <laughs> listening to this, you know, don't just listen to the podcast. You know, don't, don't just watch this or listen to this and like, all right, now, now my life's going to improve. Mm. You know, you have to apply, apply the advice that's being given. And, you know, the things that really stood out there was not only are you desensitizing yourself by, by incrementally facing whatever it is you're going against, mm-hmm. you know, speaking in front of people, um, talking to the girl, you know, whatever, but it's also stripping the power from that fear. Yeah. Each time you do it, you're a little less scared and it's a little less fearful. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you start to meet it to where now you're not afraid and it has no power over you. But also yeah. when you look at that, you know, you mentioned uh, sort of defaulting your behavior, changing your behaviors. If you want more than you have, you've got to do more than you've done, you know, and all of a sudden you'll find yourself defaulting to being courageous, yes. whether it, a party or something, you know, they're going, you're going, they're going to talk to Zuby. Hey, it's great to see you. You know, instead of sitting there <laughs> wishing you went and shook a hand and said, hello, yeah. You know, you'll never have that memory unless you generate that courage within. And you're like, I'm the kind of guy that goes and says, hey, it's nice to meet you. You know, thank mm-hmm. you for your work, et cetera. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Of, I'm a big fan of what's the worst that can happen thinking. That, that's an excellent line of thought. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm big on that. Right. When someone's like, I don't know, like maybe this happened more when we were younger. Right. But like, I don't know, someone's out in like, you know, a bar or a place or whatever. And, they, you know guy really wants to talk to this girl. He's oh my gosh, look, look at that girl, man. Like, I want to talk, I'm like, go talk to her. It's like, no, I can't, I can't. What's the worst, what is the worst that can happen? Is she going to pull out a gun and shoot you? No, <laughs> right? The, is she going to hit you? No. Is, are you going to get arrested? No, right? So what's your, like, you're scared of a girl? Come on, man. Like, you know, the worst that happens is she says she has a boyfriend or she's not interested or, you know, she's a little bit rude. Okay. Done. You know, maybe your ego is bruised slightly, but that's it. That's how I was when I was out there with my CDs, when I was out hustling, hustling, when I was doing the pop-up shop you mentioned, right? I'm just there talking to people all day. I'm just like, what is the worst that can happen, right? I'll tell you, I spoke to over 400,000 people. The worst thing, I'm trying to literally think of the worst thing that ever happened. The worst thing that ever happened, uh, and this happened once, is somebody told me to F off. And that happened once out of 400,000 people. Someone just straight up told me to F off. And I was like, oh, wow. That was a bad rude. day. Yeah. Those guys, <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and that was it. You know, two minutes later, someone bought my album and I was taking selfies with him. And, you know, I kind of almost forgot about that. And that's, that's it. Right. That, that's it. So with, with a lot of situations, yeah, I'm, a, I'm big on that. Or, you know, someone wants to create, especially if someone wants to create something, someone wants to start a business, they want to start, they want to write a book, they want to make a music album. They want to start a podcast. They want to write a blog. They want to, and they're like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm like, what are you scared of? Right? Well, like, honestly, what are you, your YouTube channel? You start a YouTube channel. You make a video. What's the worst thing that can happen? 
either nobody watches it. <laughs> well, that's the most likely, right? Not, not a lot of people watch it, in which case it's even more silly to be scared. Or some people watch it and someone writes a mean comment. That's literally the worst thing that can happen, right? And so you're going to stop the potential of a random internet troll leaving a mean comment from do that's going to stop you from doing what you actually want to do. I'm just like, that's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. It's like, you, you gotta, you gotta just go, go with it and do it again. If, if, if it's something where it's like, okay, this is like, uh, um, I don't know, you, you don't know how to swim and someone wants you to like dive off of a cliff, then no, like the worst that can happen is you die. So don't do that. <laughs> but don't do that. <laughs> if, if it's something that's like, you know, does it, the, the answer to what's the worst that can happen is like really, really minor, then it's like, okay, so, so just go ahead and go ahead and do it. Right. Just, just go ahead and do it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's weird how, how people let fear totally dictate a lot of people let fear totally dictate their lives. And I just think that if you do that, you're always going to be mediocre. Like there's, there's, you're never going to, you're never going to fulfill, get close to fulfilling your potential. If you just let fear like base level fear, stop you from doing everything you want to do. You know, I would go so far to say that that also removes the questions of what if, what if, what if I had gone out and, and put my CDs out there? What if I had actually written that book in my head? You don't want to be on your deathbed wondering, what if I had had the courage to just do the thing? Yes. You know, if somebody drops a negative comment, the best perspective on that is, hey, you read or watched this long enough to know it sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can get better, but you're, you're watching me. You know <laughs> I exist. I am being watched by somebody. Maybe it's not the best, mm-hmm. but cool. And I improve whatever they're, they're, they're slamming on. Yeah. You, it's, you also honestly, one, it's also just one person's opinion. Yeah, exactly. You know, but you're out there doing and no longer will you be like, well, could I have been a rapper? Mm-hmm. Could I have been an artist? Could I have been a blogger or an author? Yeah. Well, now, you know, you've yeah. there's no what ifs on the deathbed. Mm-hmm. Do you know and, something really interesting? And I'm not saying this to like throw shade on anybody, but what's really fascinating is that all of the other artists with a handful of exceptions who, who I kind of know personally, who didn't have the courage to kind of do what I was doing none of them are doing it anymore now. Like they, they all over the course of the years, you know, over that 15 years, you know, they, they all, they all dropped out because they, they didn't have the balls and the courage to go for it and the willingness to just persist. Right. I, dude, I used to, man, I'm so used to criticism. Like uh, people think like criticism, I'm, I'm so used to criticism, man. I, people used to laugh at me when I was, you know, I'd go out on the street and I'd be selling my CDs and I'd be doing this and I'd be wearing my merchandise. People always, People have been laughing at me for wearing my own merchandise for 15 years, but you know what? I'm the one with a merchandise brand, right? I'm the one, right? <laughs> I'm oh, yeah, one right, right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm the one who's got the merchandise brand, which is generating, you know, just the merch is generating virtually a full-time income, right? So I'm, so people like, yo, you, you guys were laughing at that, but I'm the one who's still going, right? I'm the one who's got teamzubi.com and people are buying stuff from all over the world. Um, so sure, like people, oh, you know, uh, Zuby's like, look at Zuby wearing his own hat. Look at Zuby wearing his own, oh, look at him trying to sell his CDs on the street. Ha ha, no one's going to buy those. I'm like, okay, well, 25,000 people bought them. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know how many hats. So it's just like with, with everything, you know, if you persist and you persevere, you know, as they say, success is the best revenge. It's not even about revenge though. It's just about like not letting other people derail you from what you want to do you know people who are weak-minded there's a great quote i love i don't even know where it's from but people who 
what is it? People too weak to pursue their own dreams will always find a way to discourage yours. And that is so real. That is so, so real. Like any hater, any jealous dude, any person who's there, you know, with their avatar on social media trolling you and make trying to make fun of you or whatever. Like, do you think, do you think that's a successful person? No, of course not. Right. That's someone who gave up on their own dream. They didn't have the balls to pursue it in their way. And so they're now trying to, you know, th- th- those people actually, I believe, admire you in some way. Like haters tend to actually, haters are like weird. Fa- they're like confused fans, right? Because I'm like, well, you're here. Like you follow me. Like there are people who like follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube just to hate on me. I'm like, just well, to talk wa- smack. <laughs> yeah. Like you're watching every video. You're, you're clearly seeing what I'm doing. You, you clearly know a lot about me and whatever. I'm like, you're just a confused fan. Right. You clearly admire something about me, but the jealous lens you have on is preventing you from going, you know, most of my fans and supporters will be like, yeah, Zuby inspires me. Right. He's an inspirational or he's an inspirational guy. Whereas with them, instead of just going like, hmm, okay, I'm seeing the way this guy's moving. I'm seeing what he's doing. Let me let me make a couple notes and maybe I can incorporate some of that into what I'm doing. It's just like, no, they'd rather just, you know, complain and try to tear away at you and try to tear away at you. And it's just like, okay, man, you know, like that's your, that's your choice. But if you continue on that trajectory, you're going to be a failure, right? Because it's, it's all in the mindset, like whether before, even if someone's in an early stage, just based on their mindset, I mean, you can tell, it doesn't matter the thing you can tell if someone's going to be successful or if they're going to fail, just, just on their mindset, you know? Are they looking at other people who are they looking at people who are successful and being like, wow, that's motivational. That's inspirational. I want to do that. I want to do that. And using it as fuel. Or are they looking at them going, oh, he doesn't deserve that position or I should be in that position or he's an idiot or he's stupid or, oh, he only cares about money. He's grifting. He's this. He's that's like, okay, like if you've got that former mindset and you can persevere, given enough time, I believe you're going to be successful. If you have that latter mindset doesn't matter the endeavor like you're you're not gonna you're not gonna win and you're certainly not gonna be happy either you know i think it it highlights the fact that success isn't an accident you know it's a byproduct of courage Mm -hmm. uh, of continually showing up of not quitting the thousand times you could have yep you know and i think that would that would serve many people well yeah man and and also like people say life is short but life is also a you know normally it's like it's a pretty long race so you've got a long time to succeed, right? You don't have to, okay, I'm going to, I remember when, when I quit my job and I had people who were like, how long are you going to give it? And I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> I don't think you heard me. <laughs> right. I was like, you, you don't understand. I'm, I'm done. Like this one, I was like 23. I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't want, like, I'm, I'm done. Like I, I've done it. Like, this is it. I'm not doing this. Oh, I'm going to give my music career. I'm going to try for 12 months. And then I'm going to come back to this comfy job if things don't work out. I was like, no, I'm done. I'm done. Right. Like five, five, you know, five years into it, I wasn't, I wasn't anywhere near as well known as I am now, you know, 2016, I'd 2016, I'd been a full-time musician for five years. You hadn't heard of me. Most people who know me now hadn't heard of me, whatever. But then, you know what? I pushed for another three and oh, wow. Suddenly I've got people in the USA paying attention. Wow. Oh, Joe Rogan knows who I am now. Oh, wow. Ben Shapiro knows who I, oh, cool. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm selling this much now. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And it, it, it and it keeps, and it keeps growing. So I was just like, no, like I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep on going. Like, I'm just going to keep on going. And I think if you start something with the mindset of, you know, it'd be like, 
I don't know. It'd be like going into a marriage, like thinking about the divorce, right? Like, yeah, it'd be like going into marriage well thinking, yeah, it'd be like going into a marriage and someone is like, oh, well, how, how long are you going to give it? <laughs> right. And you're like, what do well, you mean? everything. Yeah. 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 Like, what, what, what do you mean? I'm not going to, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to try it for two years and if things aren't perfect. We're just going to get divorced. You know what I mean? Like that's a great way to end up divorced. Right. But if you go into something and you're like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to persevere. And, and of course you can, you can shift gears. It doesn't mean you have to do the exact same thing. What I do now is different from what I used to. Like I've, I still do music, but I've added additional hyphens to my, um, if someone asked me what I do or what my career is, now it's like, you know, rapper slash author slash coach slash podcaster, right? You used to just be rapper. So, you know, you can, you can shift and you can pivot and you can try different things, but you just got to keep moving forward. It's like, it's like running a marathon. I've never run a marathon before, but if you're going to, as long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you will finish, right? Some people, are, some people will run faster than you, but you will finish. Like you'll, you'll get to the, you'll, you'll win. Like you'll, you'll get to the end. And sure, maybe it took you, man, it took 12 years for that. But 12 years isn't that long. You know, you start grinding when you're 18. <laughs> you start grinding when you're 30. Sorry, you start even, even well, even I meant to say 20, but 30, you know, 42. Right? You're not exactly on your deathbed, are you? Right? So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And people think, okay, you know, people think in such short-term timeframes, they're just like, okay, I'm going to give this, I'm going to start a podcast and I, I want it to like, blow up in six months or 12 months or even two years in five. I'm like, look, don't start a podcast unless you're willing to podcast for 10 years, <laughs> right? Don't start a, don't start uh whatever, unless you're like, like for me, my minimum, I'll be honest with anything, this, even investments, right? You were asking me before about Bitcoin, anything. I think, would I be willing to do this for 10 years plus? And if the answer is no, then I'm like, okay, I won't even like, I normally won't even start. Right. So when I started my podcast, I was like, okay, I started my podcast in early 2019. And I was like, is this something I'd be willing to do for 10 years? And I was like, yeah, you know, and it's not a guarantee, you know, maybe at some point, you know, in four years, maybe, I don't know. I'll, my, uh, it's possible that I'd be like, oh, you know what? I'm not enjoying this anymore. I don't want to do it, but that's a different thing. But when I started, it's like, yo, I'm willing to do this. When I started my music career, I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to drop one album. And if it doesn't sell more than this many copies or I don't get a record deal or this or that. I'm just going to stop. It's like, no, man. You platinum or bust. Platinum or bust. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah. That's how, that's how people flop. You just got to, you just got to keep going. You just got to keep going. Everyone starts from zero, man. Everyone starts from zero. You know, I was talking to Ed Lattimore a few episodes ago and he brought the, the analogy or maybe metaphor, you know, of a snowball. You know, mm. once you start, once you're going down the hill, you pick up new skills and you get a little bit bigger and you pick up a new skill and all of a sudden you're, you're a rapper, now a podcaster, now an, and you're just a bigger ball. But there's no bottom to this. You just keep on rolling and you keep on getting more skill sets and more things you do. And maybe something falls off. Like you said, maybe the podcast, maybe you're, you're, I'm done writing books. You know, I want to focus full time on music or whatever. Yeah. You know, you don't have to limit yourself in any way. You are you and you mm -hmm. should evolve. And if somebody comes up to you and like, oh, Zuby, you've changed. Well, yeah, it's been 15 years, man. You haven't. <laughs> That's your problem. You have not changed. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a funny thing, man. It's a funny thing. But, you know, hopefully those words can just inspire people, man, because I feel like there's just when I think of the untapped potential in this world, it bothers me sometimes because there are so many people with skills, talents, ability, knowledge, experience, all of these things. But fear is stopping them from doing something with it. I mean, I think another great way to think about it is, and this is what I do. And 
this for me actually is somewhat based in my own sort of like personal convictions and, and even religious beliefs, which is that to me, it's like, do you know, before I left my job uh, to go pursue my music full time, one, one thing that really drove me was, I remember thinking about this and I was like, most people, like what percentage of people have musical talent? What percentage of people are able to write songs? What percentage of people are able to perform live? What percentage of people are able to rap? Like what, you know, and do it decently, do it well. I was like, I've been given, I've been given a rare skill, right? I've been given a rare skill and a certain ability. And I'm like, it is a sin for me to not try to maximize this, like to not do anything with it, right? I think if someone has certain potential to waste it, to squander it, I'm like, I'm like, that's unethical, right? I'm like, I'm like that's, that's unethical, right? For me, to, for me to have all that knowledge about fitness and weight loss and exercise and nutrition, whatever, and to keep it all for myself, that's selfish, right? That's selfish. I don't mind. Like to me, when I, when I promote my book, I'm like, that's the ethical thing to do because my book helps people. It helps people, right? I'm not here selling something that's like trying to, you know, just make a quick buck off something that doesn't help. I'm like, no, like people get mad at like sales, right? And I'm like, no, if you are selling something that genuinely helps people to people who need it, the ethical thing to do is to promote it. The the ethical thing to do is is to push it. And if you have a talent, if you have an ability that can help people in some way, shape or form to make their lives better and you're just, you know, you're not putting it on the table, you're hiding it, you're, you're doing all that. I'm like, man, like to me, that's the, that's, that's like the wrong position. Like it, it's wrong. I'm like, man, like that's actually not, it's not even neutral to me. I'm like, no, you're doing, you're not just doing yourself a disservice. You're doing the world. You're doing everyone who could benefit from that book, from that podcast, from that song, from that um, post, from that blog, whatever you're doing them a disservice. You're doing them a disservice because you have the ability to do that, especially if it's a unique, unique ability or talent. And by you withholding that, um, you know, you're, you're yeah, like that. that I, I view it that deep. I view it that deep. And that's one of the things that motivates me every day is I'm like, man, I can't even like, I have to go hard. <laughs> I have to go hard because I've recognized my own potential. And I'm like, man, my potential is like for real greatness. My potential is like, sorry, my thing's not focused. My potential is for serious greatness. So I have to at least strive for it. I have to at least strive for it. And if I don't, then I'm like, I feel like I'm slapping God in the face. I'm slapping my ancestors in the face. I'm slapping myself in the face. I'm slapping everybody else in the face. It's like, yo, Zuby's got to do his thing, put it all out there. And people can pick and take and choose what they like. Everybody doesn't have to grab everything, but you know, whoever I can help, whoever I can inspire, whoever I can motivate, I have to do it. So that that's my own way of viewing it. And then I think also it helps that my name, the translation of my, my full name actually means God's decision. And I take that like personally, <laughs> I take that name. for real. I'm like, okay, that's a challenge. I'm like, I got to fulfill my name. I, I think that is an excellent closing point to this. Like, I don't know how we could top that. That's, that's passion. <laughs> like if for anybody that listened to like, that's raw. I love the way you think, man. You know, Thanks, it, man. it's, I'm, I'm on that same line of what fuels and it's, I get it. Yeah. And I, I wish more got it. I, I truly believe and that's, you know, that's why I kind of want to wrap it up with that because that's sort of the final piece 
mm-hmm. you know, believe in yourself, but not just for yourself. The world needs what it is you have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just you, but you not believing in you, that's stopping the next man. You have no idea. You could be that one boy. They could hear me say it a thousand times, but you make that, you write that book, create that podcast, start that YouTube channel, do whatever it is you do. That could change somebody else's life for the better. And they need to hear it your way. So Zuby, for those who are listening, they're, they're digging the content. They want to learn more about you. What's the best way they can find you, uh, get the music, the podcast, uh, some swag? Yeah, sure thing. So um, zubimusic.com is my main website. If you want to grab any swag or you want to check out my book, my music, anything like that, you can go to teamzuby.com. That's Z-U-B-Y. You can find me on all social media as well, at Zuby Music. Um, I'm on everything. So if in doubt, just search for Zuby, Z-U-B-Y, and you will find me. I'm easy to find. Awesome. I want to thank you again for your time. I know you're a busy man, so I appreciate you cutting some hours out of your your day to have this chat. All good, bro. All right. For everybody that tuned in, again, I want to reiterate, nothing in your life will change if you don't apply the information that was discussed. I don't want you to be a well-watched person. I don't want you to be a well-listened person. I want you to improve your life. That's why I do what I do. That's why Zuby does what he does. You know, it's it's our art, our passion, but it's your life that and your time that you're spending to listen to this. So take what we talked about and apply it and see how it works and then hit one of us up. You know, my DMs are always open. Drop the questions if you have them, whatever we can do to help. That's what we do, why we do what we do. This has been another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening. You can join our private men's only community at the fraternity of And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Zach Small underscore.